Leading a beauty business in today's ever-changing economic backdrop takes a multitude of skills along with guts, instinct and energy. In the Industry of Beauty's In Conversation podcast, we talk to the people who are in possession of all of those qualities and more, including those who have set up their own businesses or those who have risen to the top of beauty businesses, large and small. We delve into the background of these leaders' careers, find out what drove them to success, what continues to motivate them, and what their ambitions are for the future. We also get their take on how they see the industry developing, along with their advice for those wishing to follow in their beauty footsteps. Joanna Jensen is the founder of Child's Farm, a natural and eco-friendly skincare and hair care brand designed for babies and children. Child's Farm was first launched as a solution to the sensitive and eczema-prone skin of Joanna's daughters. Today, the brand's growing range of products are available online and in-store at a number of major retailers, including Boots, Waitrose and Amazon. Joanna speaks to Sophie Smith, Senior News and Features Writer, about the inspiration behind the brand, its journey to achieving B Corp certification, how its products have developed over the years, and what it's been like since PZ Cousins acquired the brand last year. Joanna and welcome to the podcast. How are you today? I am footloose and fancy free, enjoying the fact that it's not raining for once. So we've got sunshine today, so thrilled. I know, I know we're getting a little taster of spring at the moment and I'm absolutely loving it. Um, but I'm so excited to talk about Child's Farm today with you and sort of all about your journey since launching it. But before we get into all of that, can we just talk a little bit about your career background and what you were doing before you launched the brand? Yeah, I mean, I've not. I'm slightly unusual in so much as I've I've came into beauty at the age of forty, um, and prior to that, actually, most of my career had been around investment banking. I started off when I left school, and I um, I didn't go to university. I decided I was chomping at the bit. I wanted to do stuff, and I started working for an interior. Uh, no, actually, I started working for an estate agent. Uh, which was huge fun. I mean, in Knightsbridge in the late 80s, I mean, what's not to love? It was a real hoot. Um, And through that, got into interior design, which I thoroughly enjoyed. And that was my first business, really, when I was about 21, 22, did that. Moved to Hong Kong, worked out there. And that's when I started doing investment banking. And um, that was just, I mean, just brilliant. Work hard, play hard, love all of that. And then came back to the UK, um, went st- went back to investment banking, carried on doing that until 2006 when I had my first daughter. And so it wasn't until I had my second child that I came up with Child's Farm, travelled the world as part of the investment banking role, so which was great because it allowed me to see all sorts of pharmaceutical and um, cosmetics products around the world at a time where you didn't have social media. So unless you actually walked into a pharmacy, you didn't know. Absolutely. So did you always sort of have an interest in beauty, even though you didn't sort of pick it up as a career until the age of 40? Yeah, totally. I mean, I I always say my mother was a bit of a hippie, but we were really encouraged to do, you know, use natural remedies, homeopathic remedies, you know, on ourselves and our animals. We used, we used things which are really natural and holistic. And it was really part of my life. And we sort of made those sort of hetero tinctures you did, you know, rose hip, cough syrup and you know, to lavender bags, which we used to give people for Christmas presents. It was just sort of, you know, it was, it, you know, it was the sort of 70s cloth kits area where you sort of ran it up yourself. And, um, you know, it was all sort of quite wholesome. 
And I'd been fast because I'd had eczema as a child. I was always very conscious about skincare products and I was always looking for the next best thing that was going to help me with my sensitive skin. So I had a fascination with it. And actually, when I had my first child, Mimi, in 2006, I was convinced I I was going to actually do a degree to be a naturopath because I wanted to be a white witch. I just wanted to heal people. Um, And actually, um, for some reason, I thought I could do that and have a child at the same time. I don't know what I was thinking. And um, so it wasn't until I had my second child, Bella, in 2008, that actually the door opened. And that's when I started my business, Child's Farm. So what was it that actually prompted you to start the brand then? Well, like like me, Bella was born with atopic eczema. So she was one of the one in five under fives in the UK that suffers from atopic eczema. And like me, it was only those products that were available in the 70s that were on the market to help her. And I did not want to use um, topical steroids on my baby. Um, I wanted to use something as natural as possible. And I couldn't find anything. So that's what was the catalyst for the creation of Child's Farm. Absolutely. So what were, so when you launched, what were the main sort of challenges that you sort of faced entering well, I, sort of yeah, the beauty I market? Mean, I was quite determined that whatever I made needed to be as natural as possible. We needed to know where every ingredient came from, but most importantly, it had to work. It had to make a difference to sensitive an eczema prone skin it was whatever it said on the label had to be 100% true I was you know I'm not into this marketing bullshit that you get the whole time from people you know you know everyone said it reduced the wrinkles on their face well you tried 27 people that is not everyone um (laughs) so I wanted something that was honest but it had to work because it had to work for my daughter it had to soothe her poorly skin so my approach was if it doesn't work, you know, we're not going to do it. And I needed something. There was nothing for Bella and I needed something. Yeah. So how long was it? So you had the idea, how long did Mm. it take sort of to take the concept then to actually creating the products and launching the brand? Actually, I mean, I look back and think, God, that took forever, but it didn't. It was actually quite quick. It was November 2010, I registered the name Charles Farm and set up that that company name. And we went live. And that stage, I had nothing. I had a few sketches for some bottles and some ideas of what I did and didn't want in the formulations. And then in December 2011, we launched our website. So actually, it was 12 months from having nothing to having a thousand uh, bottles of each of the five products I'd created in the barn to sell and sell them online. So it actually, you know, yeah, a year. God, which seems, you know, that's nuts to create a product and have it ready to go live with a website and, 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 a year. Yeah, so you said, obviously, done lots of different careers sort of before Charles Farm. What was it then like, basically starting a beauty business how did you find that as someone that hadn't done that before oh brilliant fun I mean you know I'm an I'm intellectually curious so I love finding out about new things and I love understanding how things work I love asking a million questions I'm one of those annoying people that sits at the back of the room when someone's giving a talk they say are there any questions and I'm bouncing up and down in my seat saying yes loads and so for me it was 
I approached it with logic. I approached setting up this business with logic. And then, of course, what you find is when you do approach it with logic, that the whole thing is a basket case, that the way that the industry is run is not run on anything logic. It's, it's run on, you know, one day someone said, this is how it's going to work. And it's never changed. And it's sometimes it's outdated. Um, it's the behaviors are crackers. And, and I just came in. And if someone said, no, you can't do that, I'd say, why? Why can't I do it? You give me one good reason why I can't do that. You have no, I was told my, my labels were too busy, but they're too busy. They're too brightly colored. Okay. And, and basically what I was being told is my labels don't look like anybody else's. And I was kind of thinking that that's a good thing for me because my labels are actually quite unique. And someone actually said to me the other day, I don't like your labels. I think they're really childish. And I said, right, well, th surely that that's a good thing, bearing in mind these products are for baby and child. And what I wanted to do was to have it so it wasn't a sort of blue and white medicinal looking you know, associated with an agonizing bath time or an agonizing bedtime. I wanted something that was fun, that smelt fun, that, you know, Bella wanted to use. It didn't hurt her poorly skin. And in fact, it made it feel a hell of a lot better. And why does it have to look, you know, like she's got a neon sign above her head saying, I've got grotty skin? No. I mean, I had all that as a child and having to sit quietly out of the sun because I couldn't go in the sun because my skin reacted to it so badly. So, you know, I kind of, it was, you know, it, this is the way that challenger brands work best, though, is they go into a category of which they have no history and they look at it fresh and they can turn around and look at it and say, well, that is just total bollocks. And they haven't got anything to lose. Whereas if you're working for P&G or a Unilever or whatever, you've got everything to lose. And, you, you know, you'll, from the, from the moment you start working there, you'll have been drummed into you how you have to do things. Whereas I had never had that drummed into me. I just had logic and, you know, a gobby mouth, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> Love that. Um, so when you launched, I know you've mentioned that natural was a massive value and aspect that you really wanted to incorporate. Was there any sort of other non-negotiables or that things that you knew that you wanted the brand to be or encompass? Yeah, great question, Sophie. I mean, uh, for me, it was getting on this path to sustainability as well, because I think when you've got, you know, you're going for natural origin ingredients. And as I say, I wanted to know where everything came from. There had to be that path that you could join their dots. There was no mystery. I mean, you know, at the time, let's not forget the leading baby and child um, shampoo at that stage still had formaldehyde in the formulation and still had a dye that came from boiling cow's hoofs. So, you know, I didn't want any of this bullshit in our, in our brand. I wanted it to be four little ones, knowing that everything that we were doing was making sure that you as a parent we were we were giving you um, the right product so you didn't feel guilty about using it. We did that heavy lifting for you. You knew it was the best you could do in terms of formulations for your child's skin, but also that we were pushing the boundaries as far as we could when it came to sustainability. Absolutely. And it feeds quite well into my next question, which talks all about B Corp, because I know that's a certification that you have. Can you just tell me, uh, firstly, when was it achieved and then sort of why you wanted to do this? Yeah, well, I mean, B Corp 
is 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 one of those things that 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 really I mean if I sit there at a dinner party and I'll say to people hands up anyone who's heard of knows what B Corp is I can pretty much guarantee you that no one will put their hand up in fact I was doing a talk at a school the other day and there were 120 kids in the room not a single one knew what a B Corp was so it's it's kind of like a secret mystery but the essence of B Corp is really profound for any industry and, you know, my one big issue with B Corp is, you know, nobody knows about B Corp. You know, it's like, you know, what are the rules of Fight Club? You don't talk about Fight Club. The rules of B Corp should be everyone talks about B Corp because what it's doing is it's making sure that businesses and brands are doing the best that they can to be sustainable, to be ethical, to be inclusive, to be diverse to make sure that all of their paths to success are best in class when it comes to looking after the planet, when it comes to looking after their employees, when it comes to looking about looking at every single thing and component that makes up their business, not just, you know, how is this product made? It's what does it take to get that product from the manufacturing place to the retailer to the consumer? What does that journey look like? How can you reduce the impact of that journey? It goes really deep into everything that you do. And I feel that having those questions asked of any business means that you have to look at the quality of your business and the sustainability of your business, which was the real motivation behind it. But also then to retain your membership of B Corp, you have to keep doing that. So every three years, you're reevaluated. And you have to show an improvement. Did, did you find it quite grueling or was it quite easy? How did you find the process of actually becoming a B Corp? Well, you know, for us, it was actually relatively easy because we had always been on this sustainable path since day one. So that was relatively easy. We had got, I had a fantastic HR at the time who really thought about wellness and well-being for staff. So we 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 did it naturally. So and this is the other thing as well, you know, a business should be able to do it naturally. It shouldn't be an add-on. You shouldn't have one person that's, you know, singing and championing these things. It should be it should be just absolutely automatic for everybody who is a part of your team. Um, to do the actual paperwork, I think, start to finish for the application, probably we did in about three to four months. And, and, and it touches every part of the business from supply chain to compliance to R&D, everyone has to get involved. And then, as I say, it was just the eternal wait um, for our uh, ratification and our certification because of COVID. But we got there in the end. And then there was, you know, there is a bit of toing and froing. So anyone who's looking to do it, you know, you're not judged. It's not like your A-levels and you just get it all done. They keep on coming back and say, could you give me a bit more information about this? And could you explain a bit more about that? So it's 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 really um, constructive. We'll continue our In Conversation podcast after this short ad break. Hi, I'm Tom Shearsmith, news editor at the Industry of Beauty. And I'm here to remind you that every day we dedicate ourselves to producing daily news features and insights to keep our readers up to date and ahead of the curve of events changing the UK beauty market, such as breaking stories, interviews and analysis. Remember to check in every day to stay up to date. All of our content is free to view and why not sign up for our free daily update newsletter to get all of this essential content delivered direct to your inbox. 
obviously you're in both sort of supermarkets and health and beauty retailers. Was that always the idea for you to be in both? Yeah, I mean, for us, I mean, look, our price point is, you know, 354 to 450, you know, and we wanted to be, look, my research was how do I shop? How do me and my friends shop? And when you're doing a sort of weekly shop, and you've got little ones, you want to get nappies, you want to get baby food, you want to get everything that you need, plus all the food for you and your, the rest of your family that don't have to have it all mushed up. And and you didn't want to make a special journey. When you've got children, the last thing you want to do is have to go to a specialist shop for your personal care products. So it had always been my intention that you could buy it wherever you were buying other stuff for your child. And that's consequently health and beauty plus um, grocery. Um, and it, you know, it had to be affordable. It had to tick all its boxes when it came to sustainability and natural origin. And it had to be fun to look at. And, um, and you know, even when COVID came and you couldn't get to shops, we continued doing what we would have, would have done, those promotions we would have done in stores on our website so people didn't miss out. And that's the thing. We're always on promotion at some point, somewhere. Um, it, it, so you're always going to be able to pick up a bottle for about three quid. And that makes it really affordable, especially for, you know, for anyone, for you, for your baby or you, for yourself. That's a really affordable solution. Why was that so important to you then, that affordability of the products? Because I was, do you know, when I was trying to find something for Bella, for her skin, I was buying stuff that was 20 quid a bottle and it was rubbish. I was spending so much money on stuff. And then I began to understand an inky list. I say the ingredients list on the back. I began to really understand what some of these names read. And I would look at that bottle that cost me 20 quid. And I worked out that that probably cost 50p to manufacture. And there was nothing in there that was really suitable for young skin. Absolutely. No, you've you've made some very good points there. Um, I'd love to go into a bit more about the product range now, because we've been speaking quite a bit about the journey. Um, and we've touched briefly sort of on baby and toddler. But could you just talk a little bit more about those and also the other products you do as well? So, yeah, well, I mean, it started, the range we started with had to be basically, it was for my girls. So we had long, wild hair. Um, that got tangled really easily and static hair. So I wanted a shampoo that really cleaned, but didn't, you know, some sh- shampoos you can get and you wash your hair with a shampoo and your hair's really naughty. You know, when you're a three, four year old, that so doesn't work. So I wanted something that was a shampoo that was also a conditioning shampoo, plus a conditioner that you could use on top of that. So that was, you know, objective number one for hair. Um, and then, of course, that moment when you're just about to do the school run and you look at your child and it's got a bird's nest at the back of its head of hair from that night of it sleeping. So we did a detangler because you need to do that quickly. And we shoved some tea tree oil on it because, you know, if there are pets that want to make homes in your bird's nest of a hair, let's make sure it's not a happy home for them and they choose to leave. So, you know, that was the hair. Skin was sort of fairly obvious. I wanted a moisturizer that soaked in really, really quickly um, and didn't smell hideous. So hence the baby moisturizer and the other fragrance moisturizers that we made. Um, And then I wanted a bubble bath that made bubbles, 
but it also left your skin feeling really moisturized. Likewise, a hair and body wash that you could do everything with one and but it just you could get out of the shower you could get out of the bath and your skin felt great you didn't suddenly think oh god I, it feels really dry you know some some things you can get into and you feel like your skin's been stripped of moisture i wanted you to come out and feel like actually you'd had almost had a bath in moisturizer so it was it was skin it was hair and it was bubbly fun and then of course i alluded to earlier i had a terrible problem with the sun as a child and so for me, it was really important to have a solution for children that did have those same problems as me. And so we created a range of sun care uh, products, which are amazing, 50 SPF. And, you know, just I think are the only sun care products for children, for anyone that suffers from sensitive or eczema prone skin. And they soak in, they don't make you look like a ghost. And um, they're not offensive um, in the smelling department either. So that was, again, the extension for skin there. And then, so we've done different variations and different fragrances. But then latterly, um, we discovered these amazing formulations using oats that were clinically proven to reduce pain, itching, and redness. And so we've created what we call our uh, oat derma range. And this is the thing about running your own business. I mean, a big business would have gone off and spent millions of pounds or whatever on trying to come up with a name. I sat there in an afternoon and I was getting oat, 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 derma, oat, derma. Okay, we're going to call it oat derma. Um, and this is this is our sort of tippity tip tip top of the range. And what I would say is for super sensitive, super wary people, this oat formulation that goes into it, oat colloidal and oat lipid. Is phenomenal, comes as a byproduct of the food industry in Scandinavia. It's cooperative, so there's 50 farmers that are part of this deal. Um, the oats have to come from Scandinavia, in fact, Finland, because what makes them amazing and what makes them fantastic for your poorly skin is the beta glucin. And you only get that in the oats when you have horribly harsh growing conditions, which Finlanders can do in spades. So this stuff is amazing and it's all unfragranced. So there is no, any worry you have as a parent or for yourself about any form of irritation is cast aside. So this is our sort of best in class, super safe, you know, tippity tip, 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 top. And then of course, we're launching our sleep range, which is an amazing set of three products for baby, which is using DreamSense technology, who knew? That is, you know, it allows babies, you know, that sense of a baby's um, f f um, set up to really drift off into the land of Nod as part of an evening ritual. And so we've got stuff for children, we've got stuff for babies. And, you know, we, we did launch, you know, we went into adult, we had a foray there. It was a little muddled, and we've 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 put that aside now. We are a baby and child personal care brand. We do that really, really, really well. And so we're going to stick to our guns. And so it's it's, it's there's something for everyone. We do an amazing bum cream for little babies. Um, you know everything. Oh my goodness! And actually, the best product. And this is so odd. The best product I think we have is our baby oil, which is a, a mixture of four different oils. If you've got you know, if you've got a wound or if you've got any anything that just needs extra moisture, this is the puppy. I mean, this stuff is amazing. 
Coming on to my sort of last couple of questions. Last year, uh, Child's, Child's Farm was sold to PZ Cousins. Um, can you just tell me about this and sort of why this decision was made and sort of how much involvement you you have now yeah. since it's been sold? So, well, look, this was, it goes back to what I'm saying. We knew what our core was. We needed to develop and grow Child's Farm. And we, that meant we needed to get more action internationally. We were number one in the UK um, and we hadn't really ventured that much overseas. We'd done a bit. We'd done Australia. We'd done a bit in the Middle East, but we needed some oomph behind it. So actually what we decided is we were going to look some, for some serious investment capital and and get private equity involved. And as part of that process, um, we met PZ Cousins and the alignment between Charles Farm and what they are trying to achieve as a PLC was profound. And they want to be a B Corp. They are, their three pillars of success are one of which is baby. And they want to be affordable and available to everyone. I mean, it was, it was, we were naturally an extension of them. And it made an awful lot of sense that the parallels, the alignment, the, the the way that the two brands could flex together, it was a no-brainer. So um, we sold 91.5% of the business to BSEC Cousins. I retained the balance. And my role has changed because, look, they, they've got a different skill set. An SME is, you know, hard, fast, quick and dirty, you know, working at pace, you know, fail, fail fast, whereas a PLC has got to look much broader. Um, they are looking at multiple distribution channels. And, you know, that was that was not my area of expertise. They're, they're full of experts there. So they, they've kept a lot of our staff um, and they have got a great bunch of people that are running it now. I am not involved at all on the operational side. I'll get involved in new product launches and I will talk about the brand and, you know, showcase it wherever I will, wherever I can, because, of course, I love it. And, you know, it, it still matters to me. The performance and the success of the, the brand are hugely aligned to me as well. So, but it's it needed fresh eyes. It needed more oomph. Absolutely. You know, that makes that makes great sense. And that's really interesting. And I'm glad it's sort of worked out since. So I'd just like to, before we finish, like touch on sort of like, obviously you launched it about 12 years ago or so. How do you feel about the brand's progression sort of from that moment till now? Uh, oh my goodness. Well, do you know, any founder will, you, you miss it all. You miss it. Any founder will tell you it's like, it's, it's, it's almost like your own children, one minute they're toddling around and the next minute, you know, that, that, that they're taking their driving test. You know, it's kind of, when did that happen? How did that happen? And it's, it's a bit like that. And, and, you know, I've given my all to Child's Farm. I really have. And, but I was always, I always looked at it from a commercial standpoint. And, you know, when I first handed over to PJ Cousins, yeah, there were things that they were doing. I think, why are you doing that? And I kept on having to say to myself, because it's not your brand anymore and you can't tell them what to do with it. And your opinion and the, my brand before PZ Cousins were driven by my opinion. You know, it was my designs. It was um, my fragrance. It was my products, you know, and now any brand, if it's going to succeed, has got to have a myriad of people putting their experience into it. You know, I was an investment banker. 
you know, and, and I, I took the brand as far as I really wanted to take it. And, you know, I could have kept going. I mean, and this is the other thing. Don't, you know, I hear all the time about big businesses turning around to SMEs and sort of saying, yeah, you just stand aside, sweetheart, because we're the big boys. We know what we're doing now. And then they totally balls it up. You know, there is, you know, never dismiss a founder and say, well, you know, that's as far as you could take it. You know, any founder can take it for as long as that. I mean, that's a genius. But I was ready. I was so ready. I was actually a bit overcooked. I was ready to hand the reins over to somebody else. And I'm really pleased. I'm really pleased of who I did hand the reins over to. They're, they're such a cracking bunch and they care. This is the thing. They really do care. Um, and that to me is just a joy. And I can just sort of take a back seat and focus on the things that really matter to me. And that's great. It's fantastic. Highly recommended. <laughs> Absolutely. No, it's been so interesting listening to you speak about Charles Farm and sort of your journey. It's also been very inspiring. So I'd like to thank you so much for your time today. Um, It's been really lovely to talk. So thank you so much. Oh, no, thank you, Sophie. It's been a real joy to talk to you. If this beauty leader's story inspired you, why not head over to our website at www.theindustry.beauty or find us on your favourite podcast platform where you can hear from many more leading industry figures. Don't forget to subscribe so you can be sure that you never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, please do leave us a review or rating. If you would like to suggest names that you would like to hear on the podcast, feel free to drop us a line at press at theindustry.beauty. And remember to visit www.theindustry.beauty for your daily beauty fix and to sign up for our free daily update newsletter.